Morning. Well, as you can all see, school is back in session. <laughs> um, I would not be that excited. I would not be cheering like you guys if I was just told school is back in session. Bunch of studious people in here. Don't make no sense. The only reason I was excited to go back to school is to play sports. That was it. <laughs> um, but maybe the times have changed. Who knows? You guys actually like school. Uh, no, I'm excited that you guys are here. My name's Jake. Um, uh, welcome to the Crossing Church, if you guys are visiting with us. Um, it's, it's an awesome time. I love the fall season now that I'm a, little, I'm a little older, I'm out of school, and just kind of the way that this church functions. The fall semester, uh, the fall season, is, has always been an, an awesome time. And as much as like it's August and it should feel like fall, I heard on the news today that it's supposed to feel like 115 degrees outside today. So... Let's, let's say an extra prayer today to hope that the weather catches up to the season. <laughs> um, because as much as I love the fall season, I'm ready for that fall weather too. But I'm not ready for pumpkin spice stuff, Dawn. All right? I can, you can leave that stuff. You can leave that stuff in the recycle bin outside. All right? Um, yeah, so I can, that stuff can wait. Uh, but welcome to the crossings. It, uh, we are in the middle of a sermon series and it's kind of crazy because our college students, I know, so I'm the campus minister here, and our college students the last couple, couple nights have been up on campus meeting uh, new faces, and there's a lot of new faces here today, whether it be college or families, but it's, it's, it's kind of cool because we didn't plan this. Um, we've been going through a sermon series this summer uh, titled, Because God Is, I Can't. And what's really cool is this wasn't time, this wasn't planned. I actually haven't been home a lot because I've been at these church camps volunteering uh, the last two and a half weeks, so it's just good to be home. But what's crazy is, is that the first day that we're back on campus and that we're back in school, we're going through this sermon specifically today. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of local uh, churches may, you know, warp their, their sermon series around like the incoming freshmen or the incoming students or things like that. But what's so cool, I believe, is that here at the Crossings Church, whatever we're talking about applies to anyone who's listening. Because God's Word is that. God's Word is, is, is used to be um, applicable to every area of our life and every stage of our lives. And what's just so cool is what we're talking about today fits perfectly with, with if you're visiting with us today. Because we've been going through a sermon series called Because God Is, I Can. And what this sermon series has been, has been meant to do is enable us to realize that because God is who he is and how powerful he is, we can be something different. And you know, some weeks we talked about because God is, I can be uh, a great parent or um, just more, more, dis more disciplined in my life or these things that I look at my life and maybe I'm really insecure, but because God is who he is, I can be secure. You know, I grew up without parents myself that were, were really in the house, really trying to disciple me. I grew up in a very worldly scenario. And so for me now as a father, I didn't know I had the capabilities to be a godly example to my children because I never saw that example growing up. But because God is, we talked about a week on, on what it looked like to be a, a parent. Because God is, I can be a great parent and what that can look like. And so today the topic is, because God is, I can have a purposeful, not pointless life. And, and how fitting is that for us to start school with a new semester, whether you're in junior high or high school or college, um, if you're visiting, you know, especially SIUE with a lot of students here, you know, it, you're, you're seeing this campus for the first time. 
and you're a freshman, and, and maybe you're coming out of something out of high school that you, you look at and you're like, man, I just don't like what I was. This is my opportunity to set myself anew. Um, for you parents that are here, maybe you're first-time family members and, and within our church, and you look at where your life's been at, and you're like, I just, you know, I just don't feel like I have a direction. I don't feel like I have purpose. Maybe you have a vision of why you're going to school. Maybe you have a vision of what you want for your family, and you have this idea of what you want to accomplish, but that's a lot different than a purpose to live and be driven by. And so today what we're going to talk about is this idea of because God is who he is, I can live a life full of purpose. I can live a life of meaning. You know, I believe that purpose, having purpose in life is just as important as life itself. You know, because what is the point of life if there is no point to it? You know, uh, there's an entire book in Ecclesi- or there's an entire book in the Bible uh, in Ecclesiastes that King Solomon, the richest, wisest man, has spent a lot of chapters in this book ex- explaining and describing the significance of having purpose in life. And how he went through multiple things in life. He went through women. He went through, he went through wine. He went through money. He went through all these different sources to try to find just enjoyment and fulfillment in life. And he looks at his life and he says, man, nothing under the sun brings purpose. Nothing on this earth brings purpose. And only until I found that a relationship with God and, and what he wants for my life has brought purpose. And maybe you can relate to that. You know, a famous author once said, man can live well without many things, but purpose isn't one of them. You know, maybe you're like me, and I grew up, like I said, I didn't have a father in the house. My dad abandoned us at a, at a very young age, um, and that left me feeling a lot of feelings as a kid of what am I supposed to do with my life. I didn't grow up in church, you know. I went to church as a kid, but I went there because of sports. I went there because there was a church softball team. You know, like, I went there because I had a couple friends but I didn't go there because I felt God was calling me there. I went there because socially I felt like I needed to be somewhere that wanted me because my dad didn't. And I look at my life, and I know in my high school years and younger that I didn't know what, I, what my purpose was. I didn't know what I was doing on this earth. I knew that I didn't want to be like my family. I knew I wanted to set a new trail. I wanted to break a cycle. I wanted to marry only one woman. I wanted to have kids that didn't have to decide between which house to go to in their holidays. I wanted stability. I wanted some sort of financial freedom, you know. So I had this vision of what I wanted in life. But still, as I was in high school in those younger years, I thought about life, and I, and I, and I still thought, you know, even after I maybe could achieve and accomplish those things on my own, when I lay on my deathbed, what will I say my purpose was? What will I say I really lived for? Was it just to build those things and then to die and hope they do the same thing? Or was there something bigger and greater that I was meant to do? And I wrestled for that, with that for a long time. And maybe that's where some of you guys are at today. Maybe you guys are looking at your life and you're saying, you know, I have a vision of like what I want to do with my life. But when it's all said and done, I don't really know what my purpose is. I don't really know why I was created. I don't really know why I was born. And I'd like to know that the sooner the better. (laughs) And that's what we're going to talk about today is because God says, because I am who I am, I can change that thought in you. I can change that feeling 
so that you feel like you have direction in life. So you feel like you have purpose in life. So you feel like you can go through your college career and say, man, that wasn't just a waste. It wasn't just to get a degree. It wasn't just to find some friends. It wasn't just to do A, B, and C. It was because I found a purpose and I utilized it in my time here. For us that are a little bit older, maybe we have some families and you say, you know, I now have a purpose for how I want to raise my kids. I know why I need to raise my kids in a certain way. I know what I want to see in my kids. And I have this purpose that is greater and beyond myself that I can leave and stamp a legacy on the next generation. There's so many different places that you may feel today, and that's what we're going to talk about is this idea of how we can have a purposeful life and not a pointless one. And what we're going to come out of is the, the book of 1 Corinthians. And if, if you guys uh, want to pull some notes out, we have this bulletin with us today. That uh, inside there's some notes, and if you want to follow along, uh, we'll, we'll throw everything up here on the, on the projector screen so you guys can write in those notes as we go along. You want to li- listen to the verses and, and follow along with those as well. Um, so we're going to talk about a book in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 15. And, and you know, Paul, and, and a, he's one of the apostles, he comes and talks to this church in Corinth, right? And this church is terrible. It is probably the most worldly non-godly, just living a life of sin church that is described in all of Scripture. And Paul comes in and addresses some things that he sees within this church and calls them back to this purpose because the way that they're living and and the example that they're setting for that generation and for that culture at that time is terrible. And he wants to call them back to this idea of a purpose because of what they committed to years ago. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, verse 58, we get this verse and it says, so then, and when it says so then, he's, he's already described what Jesus has done for them. He's already described that they are, they, they are Christians and that Jesus has done something for them. And so you can even change that instead of it saying so then, you can say, because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what Jesus has done for you, because of the example that he has set and laid out for our lives, brothers and sisters, don't let anyone move you off the foundation of your faith. Always excel in the work you do for the Lord. You know that the hard work you do for the Lord is not pointless. And that's an incredible verse to look at as we look at our lives and we look at our relationship with God because maybe some of us have that relationship with God and we know what Jesus has done and maybe some of us haven't. But to know that this church did know is a call and a challenge to the church here today to look at our lives and say, you know, the work that we do for God is not pointless because there's a purpose within it. And we're going to break that verse down a little bit and we're going to kind of cycle back between it. But what we're going to talk about is two things that I believe that my life can be purposeful in and not pointless if we can apply just like Paul addresses this church. So number one, my life will be purposeful, not pointless, if number one, I maintain my faith. If I maintain my faith... You see, he talks in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2, says, You receive this good news and continue strong in it. And you are being saved by it if you continue believing. You see, there's a lot of churches and there's a lot of doctrines out there that will teach that salvation is like a one-and-done kind of thing. It's like you accept it and you're good. And you can go about your life, and you can live your life, and then one day you're going to go to heaven because you took salvation and you accepted it at this one point in your life. But what Paul comes in and he addresses is the reality that salvation is not just a free gift that we get, and then we get to go about and do whatever we want within our lives. But he says, you need to remember that your salvation, you being saved, 
is contingent on if you live that lifestyle. It's not, oh, I get this, and then I get to go live my life, and because I receive this, I get to go to heaven. But he's saying, listen, you have to continue believing. You have to maintain your faith. You have to live a lifestyle. And I'm not talking about that your deeds, what you do well, makes you get to go to heaven or not. But what I'm saying is, is that whenever you choose to take on salvation and you say, God, I want this in my life, you've chosen to live a new life. The scriptures, the scriptures make it very clear that your old self will die and you have a new life to live. And we'll, we'll get to that later in, in the scriptures. But what we need to understand first and foremost is that faith is not a one-and-done thing. Faith is not a, a, a quick thank you present from Santa Claus and then we go about our days. But to have a real purpose, to have a real faith, it means that we have to maintain that faith as we walk this life on earth. And Paul makes that very clear to this church because there's an indication that they have stopped that. If you read through some of the things that's going on in this Corinthian church, I encourage you to go back and read through 1 Corinthians because you will see if you read what they did, if that was happening in our church, you would not want to be here. <laughs> you know, like some of the things that they are involved in, there's some incest going on. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of different sexual sins that are, that are exposed, and they're cool with it. Like there's not, there's, they're not addressing it. They're not making a bold statement about it. They're not, they're not confronting it. They're not challenging it. It's just happening, you know? And Paul's like, listen, you're not, you're not good. You're not saved if that's how you think the salvation process works. We have to continue this, and we have to build this up, and we have to continue believing in response to our salvation. Number two is that if I want to live a life of purpose, I have to be motivated by God's grace. I'm motivated by God's grace. What motivates you guys to get up in the morning? You know, like think about your day. Like, I don't know how many of you are like me, and when you set your alarm to get up in the morning, first off, I don't even set an alarm. I hope that like I sleep in sometimes. <laughs> but I have too many, I have a wife and too many kids in the house. So like I have my own, like I have, I have human alarms <laughs> in my house. Um, but when you set your alarm, what actually gets you out of the bed in the mornings? Have any of you guys had that time? I remember when I was in college and I was in Prairie Hall and I was in that dorm and I had an 8 a.m. class and I don't know how many times I would lay in that bed and cycle through my head at 7.45. Do I really need to go to class today? Do I really, do I really need, like, if this is a Tuesday, Thursday class, if I'm not here on Tuesday, like, can I catch up on Thursday? Will it, not, will it be, will it be fine because I just want to lay here for like another hour. You know, or, or if it's when, we're, when we have our job, right, we got to get up super early and we're laying in bed like, how can I call off today? Can I, can I just play sick? Well, I did that last week, so they're going to think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> like, they're going to need a doctor's note. Well, can I, can I say there's been a death in the family? I've already used my, my great uncle, my great aunt. I, I'm going to start running out of people. My alibi isn't going to line up anymore. And they start asking these people, they start seeing their photos on Facebook. You know, I'm just... They're not going to see these people anymore. And so we start, does anybody do that? I heard a lot of laughs, so I feel like there's a lot of people that can relate to me, right? You guys, you guys cycle through your heads in the morning, and then at some point, either one, you give in to the lack of motivation, and you buy into one of those things, and you're like, you know, I'm just going to be lazy today. I'm not going to do it, you know? Or something kicks in, and you realize, man, if I don't go to work today, I ain't going to get paid. And if I don't get paid... They're going to take my car. 
I'm going to take my car. My life's going to suck. And my life sucks. Ain't no girl's going to want to date me. You know? And we start going through this whole process. and like, all right, I guess i got to go to work because I, I want to date girls one day. You know, like, we've, we, find, we find something in the motivation scale, and it finally gets us up. What is it for you? Paul says it should be God's grace. Paul says that our motivation should be cycled through, and the decisions and the actions that we put into place every day should be because we're motivated by the grace that God has given us. In 1 Corinthians 15, once again, he says, this is Paul talking, today I am who I am. And if you know Paul, you know the story of Paul, if you know scripture, Paul was not a Christian his whole life. Paul was a sinner. Paul was actually somebody in the Roman, in, in the Roman Empire that used to persecute and kill Christians. And he's coming now as somebody who's looked at as a spiritual leader to this church saying, I am who I am today which means that he knows at one point he was not who he is today. He has been different. He, is, he has been changed. He didn't just take salvation and continue to work in the Roman government. He changed his lifestyle, and it looked completely different because he had found purpose. And he's trying to educate and, 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 and motivate this church to say, listen, I am who I am today. I have purpose today because of God's grace. And I have made sure that that grace he offered me has not been wasted. I have worked harder than all the rest, but I realize it's not me. It is God's grace with me that has made the difference. You see, Paul understood that grace was not a one-and-done thing. He understood salvation was not a one-and-done thing. He had realized it it was something that he never deserved, that he was the worst. And because of those things that he wasn't worthy of these things, he decided, I'm going to work harder than all the rest because I was given something I didn't deserve. Because God had blessed me with something through sending his son to die on a cross for me that I never should have gotten in the first place, I never should have received, and because of that, I have a purpose now to work hard in this life. And he's pushing this church to do the same. You know, because when we look at this idea, there's two different things that can happen when, it, when we talk about the grace of God. Because there's a life that we can live with the grace of God, and there's a life we can live without the grace of God. And the first one is that my life will be a tragedy without the grace of God. You know, Paul describes himself a lot in Scripture. And this is actually a very, a, a very uh, weird way that they use this translation, but in 1 Corinthians 15 8, it says, I'm like an aborted fetus who was given life. You know, in, in different translations, it, that part talks about, I'm, I'm abnormally born. Another translation says, um, I was born out of season. Uh, that, but the Latin word there that it talks about in scripture is, is abortibus. And we, we can all hear that word and we hear the American word abortion, Right? So no matter the context, what Paul is saying is, is, I feel like this. I felt like that. I was like that. And I don't know where you stand on abortion. I'm not going to sit here and make an abortion talk today about, about this. But what I do, what I think we can all agree on is no matter our stance, no matter our context, no matter where we feel about abortion, abortion in itself is a tragedy for that child, period. You know, no matter how the parents feel, no matter the decisions that are made, 
For the child itself, it is a tragedy. And Paul relates himself to that, and he says, I'm like an aborted fetus. I I feel like I was unwanted. I I feel like I was discarded. I feel like I didn't get a chance to have life. I I felt this way. And Paul puts that into perspective because that's how he felt before God's grace. And I don't know about you, but I sure felt that way when I was a kid. You know, we all have our own scars. We all have our own stories. We all have our own pasts. But there have been points in my life where when my dad walked out, and I felt that same way. I feel very unwanted. I feel like I didn't get a chance to have a good life. And it may not be that drastic for you, but there may be points in your life where you felt the same way. I feel like I was discarded by friends or family members. I feel like people have just used me for their own good and then thrown me away and discarded me whenever they were done with me. I felt, I feel, I felt these same ways. And Paul was no different. Paul felt that way before. Because the reality is, is that when, when we live a life without God, when we live a life and we haven't accepted the grace of God, God himself says it's a tragedy that you have to live that way. It's a tragedy you have to feel that way because of the world and what it's done to you. But Paul follows that up with the idea that your life can be a triumph with the grace of God. That your life can be a triumph with the grace of God. Because he goes right on and he says in that same passage, he says, I am the least of the apostles. And what's crazy is, um, how many of you guys have ever seen Men in Black? Right? And that's crazy, crazy, you know, way I just jumped to that, right? <laughs> um, where he puts that little thing in front of their faces, right, to make them forget. You guys remember those little scenes? Every single time something crazy happens, he's like, hey, psst, get the thing out. And then he's like, what did happen? You know, like, and I think sometimes we look at our lives and we want to think that that's what happens whenever God gives us grace. That, that we think that God is going to just erase our pasts, that we're going to forget those things, that we're not going to have to deal with those things anymore because, you know, Jesus saved us and that we don't have to feel like that ever again or we don't have to be in those, in those feelings ever again or to have to be emotional about those same kind of things. And we feel like that, you know, the moment that we get baptized, like that's like our moment and we're like, come back up out of the water and we're like, hey, like this is a new life. I don't even remember anything back there. You know, like this is crazy. I feel so, I feel so, so much better. Well, that's not it. Yes, because Paul looks at the situation and he, and he relates what he was. And if you read through the book of Romans, he talks about all his struggles and all the things that he still, de- he still deals with because of his past. But even here, the humility that he says, I am the least of the apostles. You know, there's only 13 apostles that have ever lived on this earth, that Jesus came at a certain specific time and he appointed these apostles at this specific time in history, at this location on this earth, and Paul was one of them. And it's crazy to think that 
where there's, where there's incredible humility here out of Paul to say, I'm the least of these, there's also some incredible honesty that he genuinely feels that he is not worthy of the responsibilities that God has given him. And it's cool to see the humility out of Paul because if you know anything about Paul, he is probably one of the biggest pillars of faith that you read about in the Christian faith, in the Bible, and you look through what he had accomplished and most of the New Testament is written by Paul himself. And if you want to look at one testimony in all of Scripture that shows what Jesus can do in your life from an incredibly messed up, jacked up background to an incredibly life of purpose, Paul is the image in Scripture. Not even close. We can sit here and debate who the goat is with LeBron and Jordan, but it's Jordan. We don't even talk about that today, right? But we don't, this is not debatable, right? Paul is the goat when it comes to what a life used to look like and what a life can look like. There is nobody else that comes close. And for him to come and talk about that and say, listen, I still feel like I'm not worthy. I still feel like I don't deserve this. It's just an incredible opportunity for us to say, man, if God's grace can take somebody like that and turn them into what they are today, what can God's grace do for me? What can God's grace do in my life? 1 Corinthians 1, it says, from Paul who is called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. If God can take somebody with his grace and turn them in from the worst of sinners, which Paul describes himself multiple times, he says, from all the sinners, I am the worst, to an apostle, what do you think he can do with you? What do you think his purpose can be for you? Because I don't know if a lot of you guys have murdered Christians. Anybody in here murdered a Christian? Straight up? Not a straight up. <laughs> straight up. Not like sideways, straight up, you know. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I'm trying, to be, trying to be relevant. I'm trying to learn these new words of the college kids, right? Straight up. Um, that's funny. Some of my friend talk came out there for a minute, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I don't think you guys ever murdered anybody, right? Um, Paul did. And if he's capable of doing that kind of stuff, and you haven't been that far down the, the rabbit hole, you know, how far can he take you on the other side? And so it's just an incredible opportunity to be motivated by what God's grace can truly do in your life and what God's grace can truly bring purpose about in your life. And so what I want to end on today is just these four different commitments that you can commit to to stay on point. If you want to have purpose in your life, if you want to be motivated by God's grace, if you know that this is something he's offering you, there are some things that you can commit to today. If you're visiting with the Crossings Church, we're a very practical church. I'm not going to sit up here and make you feel good so you go home and you come back in a week and you're like, I want something else good. I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to say, listen, you need to apply these things now if you want to feel the way that you feel today in church. If you want to feel that all week, take some of the stuff home with you. Don't just wait till next Sunday to hear something else cool. All right? So these are some things that we can talk about today that you can commit to today to start working in your life and let God's grace run through you so you can start seeing a purpose when you guys leave today. Number one is you can remember what God has done for you. Remembering what God has done for me. And there are two huge things God has done for you. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But when we look at Jesus and himself, 
Jesus, number one, Jesus died for you. And we have to remember that. If you want to live a life of purpose, you have to remember that Jesus died. And you have to connect to it on a personal level. If you know, if you know about Christianity, everyone knows Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died for us. Jesus died for the lost world. Jesus, but until you can connect and personally understand that Jesus died specifically for you, you will never connect to what that should really mean in your heart. You will never connect to how that should really make you feel. We generalize the cross. We throw it up on walls. We put it on our necklaces. We get tattoos of it. And there's just a general culture that the world knows what happened at the cross. But a lot of those people that wear those necklaces and those tattoos and hang them up in their houses, they don't connect personally to how that impacted them personally. Because then and only then, when you understand what he did for you, can you be motivated to live a life of purpose. Paul calls this church in 1 Corinthians 15 the same thing. He says, my friends, I want you to remember the message that I preached and that you believed and trusted. I told you the most important part of the message exactly as it was told to me. And that part is Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures say. So what we're going to do here in a minute is we're going to take communion. And, you know, sometimes we take it in church. Sometimes we take it within our small groups. But we're going to take it together today because what I want you guys to think about is this personal connection, just like Paul is calling this church to, I'm encouraging you to connect to it the same way that Paul is talking to the church. And he's saying, remember, you've heard this long ago, but you need to reconnect to this. And you need to connect to it on a daily level and remember that Jesus specifically died on the cross for you. Because the amount of love that was given should give us hope that God that God values us so much, when you know that there was a man one day that died specifically for you, you should feel an incredible amount of love to know he doesn't want to discard me. He loves me. He wants something better for my life, and he's willing to lay down his life to give me an opportunity to have something greater in life. And so as we take communion today, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about if this dude loves me so much and was willing to lay down his life for me, what is he wanting me to remember in this death? What is it about his character? What is it that he wants from me as I share in this communion today? So I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to pass this communion around. We're going to sing a song, and then we're going to come back up and, and finish this out. Okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much just to have purpose, to have an opportunity in life to be able to um, be connected to you. God, your son dying on the cross is the ultimate form of sacrifice. It's the ultimate form of love, but it's the ultimate motivator as well for me to look at my life and say, why did this happen? What do I need to know from this and how can I connect to it on a personal level? And God, I pray as we take communion today, we can remember the sacrifice that was made, and we can connect to it on a personal level to figure out what is, it, what is it that I need to do today? What is it that I need to change to make this death matter, to make my life matter because somebody was willing to sacrifice it for me? I pray this in your son's name. Amen. So we have to remember, first and foremost, Jesus died for us, that he loves us immensely. And I think what we need to know from that death is that Jesus loves us so much to know that he believes in us. 
that he believes that we can live a life that's greater than ourselves. But that's not enough at times, right? To know that Jesus believes we can do something. And if we just left the cross at a death, it's only halfway fulfilled. Because to know that Jesus died on the cross knows, okay, this dude really did love me. And he really wanted to lay down his life for me because he really believed in me. But if you leave it at that, it's not really anything significant than anyone else sacrificing anybody else. Because you need the second part, which is that Jesus resurrected for me. You see, Jesus' resurrection was the sign that Jesus didn't just believe in you, but he had the power to change you. He had the power to take your life from a dull, purposeless, pointless life and could transform it into something so much greater and so much better. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, He was buried, and three days later, he was raised to life. You see, he brought a power with that resurrection that takes believing to a whole new level. You guys seen the original Space Jam movie, right? And I know I got lots of crazy illustrations today. I just see they keep popping in my head, right? This one I just made up, like, right now. It's not even in my notes, but it's a cool illustration, right? So... Do you remember that moment at halftime and they're getting destroyed by the monsters, right? And they're in that locker room and they are just literally, they can't, they can't fathom how they can even go move on, right? But Jordan is like, come on guys, like we got this, like we got, we got to figure this out. And they can't figure it out. So what, so what does Bugs Bunny bring to the table? Anybody remember? Michael's Secret Stuff, right? And he brings this water bottle in and it's just that. It's just water. And as much as they were believed in that they could do this, they needed Michael's secret stuff to make this work. And they believed in it. They were like, man. And they started guzzling, guzzling that stuff down, and then it changed literally, and nothing changed within them but that secret stuff. And their lives were completely different in that game because they had this. And guys, it's so weird to think of it like this, but literally, that is what the Holy Spirit is in your life. That's what the resurrection, that's what the power of God is capable of doing is because when you, when you understand that Jesus died for you, but you also know that there's this secret stuff that God is just waiting to give you, there's no longer this fear that I don't believe I can do this. So I don't think it's going to happen. But there now is a trust to know that God's got this secret stuff, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And it says that when you trust in him and when you take his grace on and you live a life according to that, that he brings this Holy Spirit to play. And now it starts to do things that you can't do. Because I'm going to be honest with you, there are things that you guys cannot do on your own. There are things that I cannot do on my own. It's in Scripture. Even Jesus himself says that there are certain things he cannot do without God by his side. The disciples make that very clear. With man, nothing is possible. But with God, all things are possible. And he brings this new thing to the table 
So whatever those things are that you guys struggle with that you don't believe, like what is it, what is it that's holding you back? Like what is it that you don't believe in yourself? Is there an insecurity that, man, I can never be social with people just because I've been, I've been, you know, I've been antisocial my whole life? Is there, is there hurts in your life? You're like, I don't know if I could ever trust it again because I've been abandoned so many times or I've been abused so many times. Or there are addictions in your life that you look at yourself and you say, man, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this because I've been so addicted to this for so long. I'm telling you, you won't ever get over those things. You may be in that world for the rest of your life because you as a human being are not capable of getting over some of these things based on what Scripture says. And that may not be a fun truth to hear. But I sit here and I watch people be addicted to drugs for years and years and years and never get off of that cycle because they think just somehow in their own muscle they'll be able to get it done themselves. And the reality is is that God did not create us in that way to overcome some of the hardest, darkest things that Satan has wrapped into our lives. We are not wired that way. But God also says, a resurrection is meant to illustrate to you how powerful I am. And it's meant to illustrate to us what I can help you overcome if you just believe in me. You will not get over these issues until you choose to take my Holy Spirit and you choose to let it work within you and you choose to let it fight Satan off because there are some things that on human nature itself will not be able to accomplish themselves. And I am grateful for those things because there was a lot of things in my life that I thought in my human nature I was just going to do. I was going to break a cycle. I was going to live a new life. I was going to have something completely different. And I started that process, but there were some things that I incredibly struggled with because I didn't have God's power by my side. And I'm sure for some of you guys, you can maybe feel and relate to that in the same way. He says in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, it says the same thing. It says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. You see, that power is intended to help us, which means that we are created to need help. It doesn't say anything about this power being a sidekick, this power being something that we can tap into whenever we want to, or, you know, it's just something that's like a good friend that just kind of walks life. It says, no, this power is created to help you because you need it. And it's an important note for us to remember that. We have to remember that Jesus didn't just die for us, but he was resurrected. And there's something powerful about that that can really help us with a lot of things that we struggle with in life. That can help us find our purpose when we realize how powerful God is and he can help us with those things we've struggled with for so long. Number two is I have to accept the salvation God has offered me. You have to accept the salvation God has offered you. This is what I was talking about earlier. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it's by God's grace that you have been saved. We know that. We've talked about grace and how it brings about salvation. It's not the result of your own efforts, but it's God's gift. So we know it's not just our own deeds and it's not our own works that that earn that salvation, but there still is an acceptance that needs to happen. You see, God's, God's gift of grace, God's gift of salvation is freely given, but it has to be taken. It has to be taken by you. It doesn't just magically show up in your life without a process of you being able to take that. 
You see, this, it's kind of, this is a cool, it's not an illustration, but it's, it's a cool story that, that years ago was, was written about in, in, in our history. But in 1830, there was a man named George Wilson, and he was convicted of killing a government employee while robbing the U.S. mail. He was tried and sentenced to be hanged, because this is in the 1830s, right? And so he was tried and sentenced to be hanged, but Andrew Jackson, the president at that time, um, he issued a pardon for this guy, for Wilson, and said, I'm going to pardon you, uh, despite what has happened. But Wilson did something that nobody has ever done before. Wilson refused to accept the pardon, and the government didn't know what to do. It's never happened before. President comes down and says, I'm going to pardon you for your wrongdoings. You're a free man. And he says, I don't want to be free. I want to be hanged. And the government's like, what are we supposed to do? You know, are we supposed to kick him out of the prison? Are we supposed to let him stay? Like, what do we do? And so they found a certain guy. His name is his chief justice marshal. Um, and this chief justice came in, and he concluded that Wilson needed to be hanged. And what the decree was and what the statement was is he said a pardon is just a slip of paper. He says the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it's refused, it's no longer a pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. And he was. And see, the same thing I think can be said about accepting salvation it is a gift, and it is freely given, but we all have a choice, and if we take that or we refuse that. And part of finding purpose in our lives through a relationship with God is knowing and understanding that we have to take that, and we cannot refuse that. So this is a part of your, of your salvation process. I'd question and ask you guys today, have you been saved? Have you accepted this, this grace from God, have you, have you looked into your life and have you looked through Scripture to, took, to look at the idea of what it takes to be saved, what it takes to take the salvation on in your life, and is there a lifestyle that models that? Or have you been refusing it and rejecting it your life? But if you want to look at your life in a purposeful way, you have to accept the salvation that has been offered to you. Thirdly, you need to connect with people who will help you. If you want to fulfill God's purpose in your life and you want to live a purposeful life, something you can commit to today is to connect with God's people. 1 Corinthians 15. It's crazy that all this is in 1 Corinthians 15, right? But it says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. You see, you have to be connected to healthy believers of God's word to, f- to fulfill and continue a purpose. You see, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of doctrines out there and they say the same things. They say, you know, you don't have to be connected to God's people to be a Christian. You don't need to be connected to people to be saved. This is just between you and God. Well, I'd encourage those people to read the Bible because you find out very fast that that's not accurate at all. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying you have to be a part of a church on a Sunday morning. You have to be a part of a congregation on a Sunday morning. But I'm saying you have to be a part of the church throughout your life. And part of that is probably showing up on Sunday mornings to some places, but the reality is, is that a lot of people 
hear that and they say, I don't need to go to church to be in heaven. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to go to church to be connected to my purpose to God. And I'll say, in, in context, that can be accurate. You don't need to be a part of a church on a Sunday morning, but you need to be a part of the church. What do you do throughout your week? Do you invest with other disciples? The early church themselves, they met in small groups, and then the church was, was founded down the road because there was a need for it. And I think there is a need in American culture today to be a part of a healthy church and be connected to it. I don't, I don't disagree with that. But my fight with people is not about if you're here on Sunday mornings. My fight with people is what do you do with the rest of your life? What do you do without your week? Because if, if I'm fighting to get somebody in this building on a Sunday morning, but I'm not connecting them to anything in their life throughout the week, what's the point? What's the point in coming to church for an hour a day, once a week, when you don't do life with anybody else that's a Christian the rest of the time? It's a poor excuse for Christianity. Here at the Crossings Church, we encourage both. We encourage our members to be active and present on Sunday mornings, but more importantly, we encourage them throughout the week to be involved in small groups, to be involved in ministries, to find local groups of people within the church that have the same struggles, to study the Bible with those same kind of people, to learn and grow as a family, because that's what the God intended us to do. And Paul's trying to get this church to understand you need God's people in your life, period. The context may look different. The place may look different. It may look different in Illinois than it does in Florida, than it does in Texas, than it does at this church and that church and that church. It may look different, but relationships should be consistent. Relationships and how relationally we connect with, with one another as God's people, that should be a universal in the church. 2 Corinthians six fourteen says, you are not the same as those who do not believe. So do not join yourselves to them. Good and bad do not belong together. Light and darkness cannot share together. Now we got to talk about the extreme opposite of this, right? Because people may hear that and say, okay, all right, Jake, you're right. I need to spend all my time in church. Ugh, darkness out there. Nope. Don't need anything to do with those people, you know? So now we got two extremes of people that live on this earth, right? We have people that say, I don't need to be in church and community to have me and God. But then we have the other side of the people that are like, I don't need to be a part of the world to be with God. It's just me and, and Christians. Like, we're good to go. Does, does either one of those sound like it's what Jesus wanted us to do with our lives? You know, as Christians, did he want us to just isolate as Christians? Or did he just want us to isolate ourselves with no Christians? I, neither one of those sound accurate if you know Jesus and you walk through his life and you see in the Gospels how he lived life. You see, there's a difference and being in the world and being of the world. Huge difference. I believe God has called us to be in the world. I believe God has called us to live amongst the world, to be relatable with the world. But when you call yourself a Christian, you don't belong to this world anymore. When you surrender yourself in baptism and you, and you accept God's grace and salvation and you say you want to be a disciple, you no longer belong to this earth. You are, and if you've been visiting with our church, you know, the first couple of months of the year, we've been talking about God's kingdom. You, you live in a different kingdom on this earth. Heaven is here on earth. God's kingdom is here. 
And if you're a Christian, that's the kingdom you live in. That's the kingdom you belong to. And you no longer belong in this world. And so this crap that people say, I gotta be relatable with the world. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hear this. I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta be united with people in the world because that's that's what's gonna bring them to Christ. No, it ain't. What's gonna bring them to Christ is a changed life, is a transformative life. And they say, man, you used to be like us, but man, your life is different now. What's changed? Man, you don't do what we do anymore. We used to do this stuff together, but now you don't do this with me. What's changed? Well, I don't belong to this world anymore. I live in a different kingdom now. I have different friends now. Yeah, you're my friend too. But I got a different family now. And we have to understand that there's a balance there. I, you know, I've, I've, I might get heat for this, but I say it a lot because I mean it. <laughs> There's a difference between your biological family and your spiritual family. Period. Some of us are fortunate enough to have our biological family be our spiritual family. And I'm incredibly grateful we have those examples in this church. And I encourage you to show gratitude for what God has blessed you with. Because the majority of us cannot say that. And sometimes we have to watch how incredibly selfish church families are with what God has blessed them with because they're unwilling to live a life that shows transformation. There's a lot of people in the church that desire to have their biological family in this room right now. I'm one of them. But I had to learn a long time ago that God makes a very distinctive difference between your biological family and your spiritual family. One of them is going to help you be a part of God's kingdom. One of them is going to help you with your accountability. One of them is going to encourage you and love you and support you in a spiritual way. And like I said, some of you are fortunate enough that you're hearing this and you're saying, That's both my families, and I'm grateful for that. But there are some of us that need to still make that distinction between the two and say, one of these families is tearing me down. One of these families is not helping me in my relationship with God. One of these families is actually telling me things different than what God's word says on how I need to live my life. And like I said, I am one of those people. And it breaks my heart that my own family, I have to fight against God's work. Because I desperately desire for my family before they die one day to see what I have differently. And to see the cycle that I'm trying to change and build in my life. But I'm telling you guys right now, out of my own personal experience, my family started to wake up a little bit when I finally made that distinction. And I started to connect with God's family in a way that my family said, what has changed? What is different? And I think for some of us, we need to evaluate our friendships and our families and put 2 Corinthians 6 into practice. 
light and darkness cannot share together. How does that apply? And that might ruffle some feathers with you, but it's God's word, guys. I don't talk about that very often, but it is something that sometimes we need to evaluate because we look at our relationships in our lives and we think just because we've been around people for so long, whether it's a close friend or a relative, that they have some kind of influence on us that supersedes God's word, and it doesn't. And we have to open our eyes and our ears to God's word and say, what is it that God wants? What is my purpose in life? And what is it that God wants me to learn from that? 1 Thessalonians 3 you know, they send Timothy somewhere else. They said, we sent Timothy to strengthen you. He sends him to this church in Thessalonica to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, to keep you from becoming disturbed by the troubles you were going through. But of course, you know that such troubles are going to happen to us Christians. Didn't they already have people there, right? Wouldn't you think that a church had family members there? It already had other close friends there? There was a reason they had to send Timothy there. Was, it was because there was a closeness that he had in his relationship with God that called him to a higher standard. And my question to you guys today is, when it comes to your purpose, who do you connect with throughout the week? Who do you put in your life throughout your week to help you maintain a purposeful life that can let you know that your relationship with God is not going anywhere? Are we connecting with the right type of people throughout our week? Are we, are we investing in the right type of people throughout our week? Or do we need to evaluate how we spend our time throughout the week? And then lastly, our fourth point is that we have to adopt God's calling for my life. I have to adopt God's calling for my life. <clears throat> You know, Paul talks to the church in Corinthians again. He says, I'm the least worthy of all the apostles, yet I have worked harder than all of them. You see, our lives have got to look different if this purpose is going to actually hit. We have to commit to know that there is a calling. And for each and every one of you guys, I want to encourage you today that God has, God has called you to do something with your life. There is a place and a purpose for each and every one of you on this earth. And maybe some of you guys need to hear that a little more in your life. But God has called each and every one of you to have a purpose and to live it out. You have to make the decision to adopt it into your lifestyle, though. Just like Paul did. In 1 Timothy 1.15, it says, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm proof. Public sinner number one. Public enemy number one, right? He says, I'm proof of that of someone who never, who could have never made it a part of sheer mercy. And now he shows me off evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. You know, have you guys ever heard that phrase, nobody likes to show off, right? Well, God's a show off. You know that? Anybody know, everybody think of that? God's a show off because what he does with us is he grabs people like Paul, like me, like you guys, and he says, man, your life's messed up. And he gives us grace, and he gives us a new life, and what does he do? He takes us, and he shows us off to the world, and he says, look what I can do. You know, look what I can do. And he points us in the direction of people who are right on the edge of thinking about a relationship with God. 
People who are, who are really considering, I have no purpose in life. I have no point in life. And they're right on that cliff of, man, I kind of want it. I just don't know. And what God does is he takes our lives and he says, look what I can do. And he shows us off. And that very well, be, that very well may be that one thing. You may be that one person that makes those people right on the edge say, all right, I'm in. I see it. I see what you can do. I see what you can do in people's lives because I, I see what's going on in your life. So let me know more about this. Show me what this is about. You know? Awesome example of what kind of life God wants us to have. But that showing off, once again, it's not, it's not the stamp of being a Christian. It's not, he doesn't say, hey, look. Look what I can do. This guy, he's going to heaven. You see that? He's coming to church and get baptized, okay? You can go to heaven too. Look what I can do. That's not the showing off he's talking about. He's saying, hey, look at this guy's lifestyle. Look at how he's changed his habits, his character, his heart, his emotions, his relationships. Look at his life. That's what I can do. You know, for some people, going to heaven isn't enough because they got to live here for a couple more years. What's the point in going to heaven if you got to live in hell, right? Heard that before by people? I'm ready to die now because I just don't want to live on this earth any longer. God knew people were going to feel that way. That's why he never made salvation the point of Jesus coming to die on the cross. It's a part of it, but he said, I need to connect people with something that makes them want to live until they go to heaven. I want to connect them to a lifestyle that values why they're there on earth. Then they'll go to heaven. That's purpose. That's purpose with our lives. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5 ends on. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, it says, Therefore, if anyone is united with Christ, the anointed one, that person is a new creation. You don't have to feel like you're living in hell anymore. That person is a new creation. The old life is gone, and see, a new life has begun. All of this is a gift from our Creator God who has pursued us and brought us into a restored and healthy relationship with Him through the anointed, and He has given us the same mission, the same purpose, the ministry of reconciliation to bring others back to Him. You see, if you want to know your purpose today in a nutshell... It's to show other people the incredible grace and love God has given you. It's to show them through how you live from this day forward, when you walk out of this room, when you guys leave today and you guys go back to your dorms or you go back to your homes or you go back to wherever you live, it's to show people God has done something crazy in my life and he's given me a purpose, he's given me hope, He's, he's loved me. He's believed in me because he died for me, but he has the power to make me know that I can be something different, and I want to show that to you. And when you live a life like that, you're not going to feel like you're living through hell anymore. Because I know many of you are here today because somebody invited you, because somebody invited them, because somebody invited them, because one day somebody realized, you know what? I want to show somebody that they can have what I have. That's literally how the Crossing Church was established. 
That's why we have what we have here. That's why we have one. This is literally one of our biggest Sundays we've ever had. And we started this church six or seven years ago with about 30 people. And it was just a generational people wanting to show people what God has done for them and that they can have that too. And my encouragement to every one of you guys today is that God wants that for you and you can be a part of that plan as well. And so I encourage you guys today to pull out this cardstock piece of paper. This piece of paper is an opportunity for you guys to connect to your true calling in life. To connect to your purpose. And I don't know where you're at today, but I know everyone wants a purpose in life. And this card can give you an opportunity to start tapping into that. And I, and I encourage you if, you, if there's something that you want to write in the comments about what's going on in your life, something that you, you need prayers for, or if you want some connection on that. If you're looking for connection, like, you know, I want to be connected to God's people. I, there are some people in my family that I really feel like I could really impact if I had some of God's people in my life to help me. Maybe my mom, you know, is, is, is in a position that I, I just don't know how to help, but maybe she ain't going to listen to me because I'm just some young kid, you know? Maybe there's some moms in this church that maybe I can connect her to that maybe they can feel and relate on the same level. You know, check that maybe you'd like to know more about our small groups. And you're like, I just need to figure out how I can get connected to people because I have these struggles, but I don't have a lot of people in my life that are my age or are open to talk about their struggles. Well, this church is very open about their struggles. Maybe you'd want to know more about that. Maybe you want to just know about this purpose. And you're like, I, I want to know what my purpose is. I want to know what God has in store for me. I want to know what he's truly calling me to do on a more practical day-to-day level. Maybe check you'd like, to, you'd like to get into God's Word and you'd like a Bible study, and we'll get some people your age to sit down and talk with you about what this purpose is for your life. Um, we actually have a class coming up soon on the back of your notes, if you guys want to see that. It's called Healing is a Choice, and we're doing sign-ups for that because this class, honestly, a lot of the members in this church have taken this class because it transforms their life and it helps them really heal from their pasts because maybe for a lot of us are like, I want this purpose, but there's, I got so many scars. I got so much baggage. I got a lot of trauma. This is the class for you to take. And I encourage you guys to read through that and look into that because it's an awesome opportunity for you to sit down with some people and really deal with some baggage from your past. You know, God doesn't want us to bury our pasts whenever we go underneath that water, but he wants us to deal with them and be able to use them just like Paul did. He used his story to help change the future. He didn't hide it or bury it. He used it. And God wants you to use your story. He wants you to use your hurts, and he wants you to use your baggage to help people that are going through that right now. Maybe you've overcome it, but they haven't yet. And so I encourage you guys to look into that class as well. But I don't know where you guys are at today. I, I, just, I encourage you guys to fill out that card. More importantly, I encourage you guys to get connected to our church um, I encourage you guys to come back. I encourage you guys to get throughout the week, maybe get coffees or just get lunches with people, stay connected. Um, I'm excited to see what's going to happen this fall. We have a lot of things on, on our calendar coming up for our church. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we're back in town. You know, I'm, I'm excited, and it's going to be cool to see what God is going to do with this church when we choose to tap into that purpose. So um, thank you again for coming, and I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to give you some time to fill out that card. And then we're going to sing another song, and then we're going, to, we're going to wrap it up today. All right? So let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much for giving me a purpose. Like, honestly, God, I know the, the way that I grew up, I didn't feel like I had a lot in store for my future. I never thought I would be capable 
of being a husband. I never thought I'd be capable of being a dad. Um, I never thought I'd be capable of a lot of things that you've blessed me with. But God, I'm so grateful to have what I have in my life. But ultimately, I know that none of those things really matter um, because I've just chosen to have a purposeful life with you. Those are all blessings and byproducts of a purposeful life. And so, God, I, I thank you again for the blessings you give me in my life because of the past that I have. But, God, I know it's all owed to what your son did on the cross and how powerful he was to resurrect himself. And it gave me the hope that I could have a purposeful life, too. And I pray that today we can look at our lives and everyone in this congregation can look at their lives and say, man, I know that there's a purpose I can have. I just want to figure out how to connect to it. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.